Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. All right, welcome to the Side Action, episode 96, episode 27 of season three. I'm Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter and also on YouTube. So, Action, before we get to our big guest here, uh, how was your weekend? Uh, you, you've been faring pretty well, it looks like, over the weekend. We obviously did well as a, you know, as a team here, but you've been rolling some uh, serious futures here. Yeah, I had a pretty good weekend in the books. Saturday was a little bit in the red, but made some back on Sunday with some of our picks. Michigan State came through with a big victory. And uh, otherwise started the week off pretty hot, too, with some of these smaller conference tournaments. So it was good. And yourself? You know, I, I've been getting back. You know, I had a crazy week, as I mentioned last week, with a friend who was leaving town. She finally got out of town, so I wasn't partying all night uh, like I did three times last week. Uh, I was able to sleep sleep the whole night for once, uh, so I feel a little bit better. <laughs> but, uh, you know, other than that, you know, obviously we've been doing really good the last two weeks in picks, so I'm really excited for our Vegas trip next week. So hope we can carry that over. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's awesome. Well, let's jump into it. we got a special guest here. we got Mr. Cola here. He is uh, a new venture. He's been on the podcast. This is our third year, right, Cola? Yeah. I think it's our third uh, year. Th- this is my fourth uh, appearance because I did one before NFL football in 2019 as well. So this guy, he's our third he's time our talking regular. about college basketball. Yeah, our most regular visitor here. So, but we wanted to let you get an opportunity as he's got a, a very cool backdrop, better than ours for sure. Yeah. Uh, to talk about his new venture uh, called E Fantasy. So I'll, I'll let you take over. Yes. So E Fantasy if I were to boil it down, is a new way to score fantasy football. If I'm taking just from a very high-level view. So right now, regular fantasy football will be stats, times a multiplier. You get fantasy football points. You take two teams. They play each other in that way, and you get a winner. Um, so it's it's basically a math equation, if you want to say it that way. Um, E-fantasy football is completely different in that you take the actual plays that each one of the players played in the game, you take all of the plays for those players, and then there is a fantasy game that happens between the two teams. You kick off on first and 10 from the 25-yard line like a regular football game, and then you're just taking the, – there's a computer code that matches the fantasy situation with the uh, real plays and picks the play that is the most similar to that situation, uh, executes it, and then it advances the game. Now you've got second and whatever. Maybe if they, get, they gained five yards on the first play. It'll be second and five from the 30-yard line. And the whole game will play out like that with no um, interaction or, or no um, input from anybody. It's just literally the computer code running through all of the plays. And uh, you can actually then create a, kind of a tapestry of a game uh, that you could view, that you could uh, you know analyze, you can look back on. Um, so it's really just a new way to experience fantasy football. And then, you know, there's a whole bunch of interesting and, uh, you know, fun ways that you can then interact with that. And and that's uh, kind of what I did over the 2020 season where we actually did a proof of concept season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I can go into a whole, a whole bunch of di- uh, iterations of, of how it can go down. But um, 
the way that I then uh, am trying to pitch this is a new way that uh, can be uh, more inclusive for all kinds of fans. Because um, if we have a game where the teams are managed by other people other than ourselves, and instead we're just, you know, kind of like picking teams that we want to win that week. So um, all of the drafting, the managing, all of that is done by others. And then the way that you play it is just like picking the teams that you think are going to win. And that could even be picking the teams that, you know, you like Patrick Mahomes. You pick the team that has Patrick Mahomes, you root for them. And you can play a season that way. And you can actually play it then. People that love NFL football but maybe don't want to get into all of the time uh, that it takes to know the players, uh, draft the team, manage it from week to week. You can actually then participate and engage with fantasy football without actually knowing everything about it. You can just pick the teams. And, and one of the things I did with these, this proof of concept season was I had a bunch of um, fantasy analysts, uh, Sigmund Bloom from fantasy uh, from football guys, who's my favorite analyst, actually mm-hmm. played, which was really cool. John Daigle from Roto World. Now it's uh, NBC Sports Edge. Uh, Chris Allen, you know, a couple of really massive names in fantasy football played mm-hmm. along. But then my mom was in the league as well. So she played <laughs> with these fantasy football analysts and my mom was actually able to play. Um, you'll have to, to see. I'm, we're in week four right now over on, on YouTube. The eFantasy football channel on YouTube is, is where the games are actually broadcast. And what I'm doing right now is going week by week and, and putting out a video that is uh, kind of an animation of the game. So, you know, I make these little uh, fantasy football cartoons where you can actually watch the game that happened, you know, week one through week 16. Right. I, I, I know that typically E in front of a word stands for electronic, like email, but I know in sure. your case, it might stand for something different. I think you touched on so, it. Can you elaborate? So the E actually stands for so many different things. Uh-huh. Um, if I'm going to pick one, obviously you can't just make it stand for everything, but I, I, uh, I like with uh, some of the marketing that I've done, like to make it stand for all kinds of things, experiential, um, evolution of fantasy football, electronic electrifying fantasy football and interest uh entertaining fantasy football electrifying fantasy football i can make this e i've got a whole list of all the things that the e can <laughs> but the one that i think is the most powerful is fantasy football for everyone everyone can play it's an absolutely inclusive way to play with your kids your spouse your parents your grandparents it really doesn't matter anybody who loves nfl football can enjoy this be entertained by it and can be included in it. And if you look at how many people are NFL football fans, identifies NFL football fans, and then you look at how many players play fantasy football, it's an absolute chasm. You know, we think of the fantasy football industry as a, a really thriving industry, and it is. It's making a lot of money. It's There's a lot of people that are involved. But there's a massive chasm between how many players are playing and how many people love the NFL. Um, it's, it's something like uh, over 75% of people that love the NFL don't play fantasy football. Uh, so I, I really feel like this is a way that we could kind of bridge that gap a little bit and and get people included that don't want to, you know, take the time and don't want to, uh, you know, all of the barriers of entry to playing fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So I've seen the YouTube, you know, animation part, but so what's the plan on getting people involved? Well, let's say if I wanted to do it with my buddies or how does that work? How, how would we, or is there a plan for how you're rolling it out? Yeah, so I'm still developing the plan right now for 2021. I do want to make it a way that people can play. Um, The way that it is right now is there are are six teams that are managed by other people. And actually, Steve 
manage one of the teams. Um, and actually the bad guys, duh, you know, breaking news right now, the, the big reveal. Uh, but he, he actually managed that team throughout the season, which was uh, really, really cool um, that, that he would do that. Uh, and hopefully he had fun doing it. Yeah. Um, it was a grind weekly, that's for sure. Um, but the way that I see this is that those teams are the teams that everybody who's playing e-fantasy football is engaging and rooting for, and the, the rosters are set for all of those teams. And then what you would do is you would have a, a team of you and five other people. Mm-hmm. And again, this can be it can be children. You know, people, anyone can play it. it re- literally, if, if you can look at a team and be like, oh, I really like, you know, Nick Chubb. That's the team I want to pick this week or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can be, you know, as detailed as, as how fantasy football gets. The way that, that this league was ran this year was that uh, randomly each week someone got to pick first. They got to pick the team that they wanted to represent them. And then the second person got to pick any other team except for the one that, that got picked. And you would go all the way through and you would have a team that everybody in your league had one team that they were rooting for. And so then you would be pitted against a particular, t- uh, you know, someone else in your league league and maybe you've got the bad guys duh, versus caterpillar jones so that's the game that really matters to you for that week so you and your friends would have your own standings of what your record is and then the standings and records in the playoff hunt for the six teams that everyone's watching then would be the same for everybody i gotcha and you know i guess you were talking about bridging the gap but how did you come up with this idea when did you i know it's probably been years in the making so what was the impetus to get this thing started you know i honestly have had this idea in my head for a very long time i want to say probably three or four years ago in 2018 i was actually on the treadmill um and i was listening to uh sigmund bloom speak with paul charchian who uh mm-hmm. who is um you know major in the fantasy football industry he does guillotine leagues so he's got his own spin-off of a really interesting game type they were talking the whole podcast about different interesting game types. And I was sweating, not from the working out, but from the, what if they just say this thing that I've been talking about for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that feeling that I had in myself was kind of like this catalyst to um, reach out to my brother. Yeah. You know, do you know a patent attorney? Because I knew my brother had, uh, you know, has a couple of patents on like not fantasy football things and and, uh, like real work things. And, uh, and, and so I, I reached out to him, talked to him, uh, to his patent attorney. And, and by the following, you know, February 2019, I had a, a provisional patent in place and then started the the work to, you know, just try to figure out what I was even doing. You know, that that the cartoon or the animation that you see now, you know, the very first one that I created was just a, a picture of what the plays look like. And the very first game that I ever did was on Excel where I just hand hand picked all, you know, I, I matched up the situation to the game uh, to the game situation and just picked the best play without knowing what the result was and then played it and then did the next one. And it took me a massive amount of time. So, um, you know, then fast forward a year, I got the uh, full patent application last February and then started with the process of reaching out to, to people in the industry. Everyone that I reached out to had such great things to say. I talked to Sigmund Bloom on the phone twice and just, uh, you know, the, the things that he, you know, you could hear his wheels turning about the, the possibilities of this and, and how, and, and then when he agreed to actually play, you know, that was, that was great. You know, yeah. that was a, a really big boost um, considering how much 
how much he does during his regular uh, season, you know, in sure. fantasy football, it's a crazy grind. And, uh, and so then, I, you know, I um, worked with a coder that was able to, you know, we worked through uploading all of the plays and how it would work. And, you know, we, I, I'm really pleased with how it turned out, you know, the fact that we were actually able to um, create games, you know, games at the click of a button, um, you know, and, and really work out how this process would go and how we could do a season. And now I'm looking at how we can do a full season and we can do the animations during the week and we can get a winner. The you know, games happen Sunday, Monday, and we have a winner on Wednesday. So that's the goal here for 2021 so that we can actually do a season where people can play along, be interested in, and engage with it. Cool. And that's great because it keeps the, keeps that, you know, the tick of the week going, right? So you've got the regular right. you games, need that. you've got the e-fantasy games going into the week and then you do it again. But here's my question. What do you do on Wednesday in fantasy football? <laughs> nothing. No, waivers are done. Thursdays, yeah, yeah. You right. check your There's waivers. Nothing. Check them on Wednesday morning. That's all. It's e, yeah, it's e fantasy day, guys. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Come on. Well, you don't do anything on Wednesday. <laughs> I for one am. I told you this in the past. I know personally, but the the amount of thought and computer programming that went into this is just incredible. And I remember back to freshman year, coding class, and you and I were sitting there. And uh, I think it's impressive. So kudos to you. So, I, I really enjoyed it as well. So I, I wrote most of all of the logic, uh, mostly because I wanted that to be kind of bulletproof in the patent. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted all of the logic to be there exactly so you could fully understand what I was talking about. And uh, but, but uh, my buddy Brian Bross, shout out, uh, is the one that actually coded everything. We worked, uh, you know, I think we, we got together every Thursday night virtually, of course, because of everything that was going on and, um, you know, worked through this entire thing. And, and uh, he did an amazing job. And, uh, yeah, it turned out really, really good. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I love watching. Uh, I just put out some videos here today, actually, for week four. And I, I uh, tried to include in this week's videos where I showed actually what the fantasy situation was and then what the real play was. So you can see how similar these are because it really is impressive when you've got a third and five uh, from the 30-yard line. This was actually from the video today uh, from Slime City versus the Hooray Heroes. Third and five, 30-yard line, end of game. Matt Ryan has a third and five from the 30-yard line, the exact same spot of the field, same situation. And then you get whatever whatever you happen. This particular play, you got a 12-yard uh, completion, and so we got a first down. You know, you're not talking about in regular fantasy football where you can get first downs and you score a touchdown by getting the ball, you know, enough yards to get into the end zone. You know, it's it's real football in fantasy form. So I really uh, I'm really excited for it, and you know, it's going to evolve past my little animations that I make. Um, but I am an expert on PowerPoint animations now. So <laughs> as you can tell, yeah. Pixar. Are I love it. I love it. Well, tell us again uh, where to find the, the videos now on YouTube, and then if you can tell us your Twitter handle that I like a lot. Right. So so you can find the videos on the eFantasy Football channel on YouTube. So they're uploaded every Wednesday for the new games. So eFantasy Football channel on YouTube. Uh, my my logo looks something like this. My my little football uh, stitches <laughs> fell off because I've been I drink so much out of this uh, drink water out of this so much. And uh, my handle on Twitter is at e fantasy showman. 
Um, so it's a little bit of a, a tip to the fact that I get in front of my camera and I uh, <laughs> announce a animated football game like it's the most important thing in the entire world because to me it actually is the most important thing in the world other than my three sleeping kids my beautiful wife uh my dog i guess but um and then it, i also have a landing page which is just efantasy.football that simple that's all it is efantasy.football um okay. you can go in and leave your information if you want to know about the the newest developments in uh, the 2021 season excellent thanks We'll definitely provide those links in the show notes for those of you out there listening and probably the YouTube upload as well. If you want to check out eFantasy, we'll have them right there for you. Yeah, Steve, I have one more thing I want to say. Sure. Uh, also, like the sky is the limit with this idea. So the, what I have going on right now is what's going on now, but there's no reason why in however many years it couldn't be that we all have our own teams that we manage and we you know, have our own animations and it's all done so that we have our own games and, you know, Obviously, computing power, the way that we can program things, it, the, the sky's the limit, honestly, in what this could be. So this is how we're rolling it out to, to start. But, you know, there's no reason that this couldn't be uh, something more uh, custom for each team, each league. Right. Well, we'll definitely have you on again in the football season. You know, I'm yes. assuming you're going to get a little further along so you can tell us where definitely. we're at then and uh, promote some more. So definitely. Really- and I just I just signed up to uh have a booth at the fantasy football expo that's going to be in canton ohio august 15th i'm going to have a booth and i'm also a breakout presenter so just finished that today that just got announced earlier this week and i am on the schedule congrats that's exciting that's the hall of fame game or that is that uh you know it's it coincides with something called the the king's classic which is a major draft that happens every single year in canton canton and they're having a fantasy football expo they had one two years ago they didn't have have one last year obviously uh and so now they're they're uh they just announced that they're going to be bringing it back so it's a uh, you know way in the mid ohio is the the home of football right it's actually the home of fantasy football too so mm-hmm. you know you go there and uh they're having an expo where a, a lot of the the major fantasy analysts are uh getting together and having an expo so, so yeah excited for it That's awesome that is that great is. congratulations yeah thanks Well, let's let's transition to the rest of it. Nicole is going to stick on and give us his insights with college basketball. You know, we're, we've had him on before for the tournament. And so obviously this week is the big conference tournaments this weekend. But we're going to do kind of a little bit of a preview of the NCAA tournament kind of in a global sense. We don't have the field yet uh, as we tape on Thursday. You know, this is the 11th. So the uh, selection Sunday is on the 14th. So let's first go over our weekly action index here. So actually you want to go over your top 15 and any kind of exciting changes uh, that you see on here? Nothing really changed at the top. I did see that Ohio State is taking quite a bit of a, a hit lately. They've dropped down to 10th in the rankings, and I think largely due to their defense or lack thereof. And right. um, beyond that, I know we touched on Purdue last week. They are steadily rising up there, now 13th in my rankings, which I think is similar to Ken Palm. And mm-hmm. I, I touched on it before, but there's a lot of Big Ten here at the top. Yeah, the Big Ten is dominant, but I like the bottom. I like San Diego State out of Mountain mm-hmm. West is on there. Colorado's on there this week. So there's a couple guys at the bottom. Those are some of those teams that I kind of like in the tournament at some point. And then obviously you've got the teams we've talked about in Illinois. And my Illinois squad who's playing great at number three now, uh, jumping Michigan. Maybe they were up there last week, but they've been pretty consistent. 
I don't know, you see anything out of this cola that you like? That I mean, maybe you haven't seen this every week. We look at it every week, so we get used to it. Um, yeah, I liked a lot of the ones that you mentioned. Um, Illinois, I really like them. Um, San Diego State definitely has uh, has piqued my interest here. Um, they're one of the most experienced teams in the nation. They play really tough defense and they run people off the three point line. They're they're opposing three point percentages among the lowest in the nation. So I really like them. What you said about Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State is not it does not have it right now. Uh, their defense is weak and they're too small. Like they're if you look at the team, like their uh, effective height on Ken Palm, it's just it's abysmal. Um, they just got dominated against Michigan. Um, they've lost four games in a row. You know, it's I, the the fact that they can still remain in the in the top ten is is almost like people saying, yeah, the Big Ten is really tough. Um, but not necessarily like it has to be uh, they have to have a better team. You know, they have to win some of these games and, and uh, four games where they were favored uh, by Ken Palm. All four of those games, even even against Michigan, they were favored um, mm-hmm. from the Ken Palm projection, even though that game closed two and a half points for Michigan. That's not what that's not what you would uh, you would find right now if you went on to Ken Palm. So, um, you know, th- a team to lose at home. And then stay in the top four, like that's un, that's incredible to me. And team to lose four games in a row and stay in the top ten, you know, it just seems like it's more like people saying how great the Big Ten is and not necessarily Ohio State. So I'm really, you know, down on on Ohio State's long-term prospects of like Final Four. I, you know, I just don't oh, yeah. see it for sure. Unless they got like the perfect plum draw of a team <laughs> that that doesn't have a really good off, you know, teams that don't have great offenses is offenses or a major inside presence. Like they would have to get a really really favorable draw. For me to think they could make the final four for sure one thing well, just one thing of, that i've ahead. wanted to point out before we move on from this is on the real ken palm wisconsin mm-hmm. is at 10 and it's incredible I, it's I, incredible i just don't understand it any insight I, there i i honestly sat here today um i have ken palm here right behind my camera so i'm looking <laughs> at it right now um they've it makes no sense. They've lost five of six games. They haven't beat a really good team in like forever. They did beat what Loyola Chicago. So that was back way back in December 9th. Um, you know, maybe they're getting some bonus points for that. It almost feels like the way that they play just kind of rigs the Ken Palm system with their very, very slow tempo. Um, they're, you know, they have a very arduous pace and that brings up their efficiency. Uh, but it's not, resulting in in wins so yeah that one i i just don't understand at all mm-hmm. yeah sometimes it's accumulative from the season and you know I, that's all i can say it's not like it's a the last three weeks or four weeks or five weeks which we kind of have to you know as pickers or whatever as as better as we have to know that the trend but mm-hmm. i agree with you i mean they did play well against iowa once wise camp got hurt but they yeah. um you know, but that's that they were getting smoked before that. So, uh, right. I would like to point out the action index has Wisconsin at 25. So, oh, Ken, okay. Ken Palm action. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's yeah, go but Ken Palm is their 10th. So, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. Well, let's go over last week's. You know, we always like to tutor on Horm Cola. This is what you know, this is our second week in a row we've dominated. So, this is, um, we went seven and two last week. Uh, we, we were red hot even with the uh, Friday night day action friday day action i should say uh st louis came through for you uh action they lost on saturday so mm-hmm. hopefully they're out of the tournament uh then your your trees the sycamores came through for us you know <laughs> they covered the five points against evansville 
And then your boilers, I mean, boiler up, man. These, this team is balling. We could talk a little bit more about them in a minute, but they uh, they beat down Indiana and covered for us as well. Uh, the other one that covered Illinois, we, we already mentioned. Uh, Memphis did cover. That was one of my, my darling picks. I thought they could have won that game. They kind of mm-hmm. almost got the overtime there in a bank shot. Yeah, and then bank. Baylor did. Yeah, the bank. And then the Baylor flexed their muscles, and you mentioned Michigan State. The two ones we missed, uh, well, Iowa, you know, we just mentioned that. Well, they didn't cover the – oh, that's right, because we – wise camp, right? Yeah. And then West Virginia, you know, my West Virginia jersey, I'm going to burn after losing to Oklahoma State twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Two in a row, Cunningham and the Cowboys got him again today in the tournament, so – yeah, yeah, I mean, that guy's really good. But I do still like my Mountaineers. They're a good ball club, but not against Oklahoma State. Is is that one of the most incredible results, uh, the fact that Oklahoma State beat West Virginia without Cunningham? Yeah, yeah. that's true. I mean, I, I don't know how they did that. <laughs> it, it just, I mean, it, that, that when you were when we were talking about teams that like have really perked, I mean, they have to be one that is just making everyone look – uh, let's take a second look at them. I'm really interested to see how they play tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, against Baylor. You know, that's if they beat Baylor, I mean, you got to really, you know, they're going to be shooting up boards, even though they're not shooting up Ken Palm. I mean, they're in the 30s still. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I was mentioning to Action before the podcast that you know it's acting like a little bit of little, like Syracuse with Carmelo Anthony or something. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the team's good complimentary wise. They just needed that push. I. Right. We'll see, and the Big 12 is such a good league, so they're going to be ready for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll find out. So we, we don't really have the spots this week since it's such an interesting week with the tournament, um, the different conference tournaments kind of happening in real time. But I know Action's got a lot of uh, futures on, on here, but I, you know, stop me when you want to do this. But we'll start off with your ACC since you, you already got a future on this team. So, you know, some of these highlighted teams, you know, obviously North Carolina last night whooped up on, on their competition mm-hmm. last night. But um, you like Georgia Tech, and they have been playing great. They're rising up the ranks in Ken Palm. Yeah, I uh, played a little bit on Georgia Tech pre-tournament and this one at 20 to 1. Just thinking that there's some value on that side of the bracket with their expected opponents. And just like that, Miami beat Clemson, and, um, and then the Yellow Jackets beat Miami this morning. So they'll move on to face Virginia in the next round. And I did see that the scoring guard, Alvarado, or Alvarez, I think is his name, picked up a little mm-hmm. injury today in the first half, but he returned to lead them to victory over the Canes, and they'll take on Virginia tomorrow. Right. One of the disappointments, and we've got Cola with his jersey over here for the YouTube watchers. You know, he was wearing his Duke jersey until apparently the game got canceled because of one COVID test, which is a bummer. They had a couple wins. To get to today, they're supposed to play Florida State. Um, so, sorry, Cola. I was wondering because of that information. <laughs> <laughs> so, just out of curiosity, were you liking the Blue Devils against the Florida State Seminoles today with that number plus four? No, no, okay, no. I mean, I, I, uh, I like control alt deleted this season like a long time ago. You know, I opted out of that season in the same time uh, that you know their star player did. I was just, I mean, I'm just. I love Duke. I really do. But, you know, I can see I can tell it I, I like it is, um, you know, when I was on in 2019, I told you guys that Zion was not going to make the final four as badly as I wanted him to because of three, three point shooting. So, you know, I'm, I love Duke, but I got to be real. Mm-hmm. He's a realist. He's a realist. Mm-hmm. One other mm-hmm. one of the team. One other spot was, I'm, I'm looking for tomorrow, assuming that North Carolina gets by Virginia Tech tonight. I am already lining up mm-hmm. North Carolina 
as an underdog against Florida State tomorrow in the semifinals. Mm. I think that their interior rebounding has been phenomenal the last couple of games, and I think they'll give the Seminoles a run for their money. Yeah, if they can shoot the basketball, that team, I mean, they had, what, 25 offensive rebounds last mm. night or something like that? They have so much length. They're just playing volleyball on the rim and the backboard. I agree. I mean, that Florida State team is pretty strong, too, but they seem to be – they haven't been the same since their COVID pause. It's definitely a different different team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to mention Syracuse. Of course, they got beat today, right? But they were – they kind of need to win some games to get in the dance. I think they're going to make it. it it's going to be right on the edge. But uh, but there's not a lot of teams. ACC's down this year. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Now, do we like any of these teams – you know, in the tournament itself, you you like Georgia Tech to make a run in the tournament itself, or you, you North Carolina, or is this just kind of a stay away league for you guys? Cola, I'll defer to you. I I am right now. I don't see anything. I think that the way that Virginia plays, uh, they can always catch a team or make a, a bit of a run. Um, just just any time that a team plays such a uh, you know strong defensive. Uh, and, and difficult defense to penetrate, you know, you're, you're going to be able to catch teams that haven't seen that before, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that anybody in this league is really somebody that I'm, you know, excited to, to put a dark horse elite eight or final four or anything like that. Nope. I'll concur with that. I don't think any of these teams really have the moxie to make it far. I mean, Florida state mm-hmm. always surprises teams it, it seems in the tournament, but, um, I expect they'll have a higher seed this season, so maybe more difficult to make that run. Yeah, you know, early in the season, I was all on Virginia. I thought this was another year because they had enough offense to go with that defense, but, but they've consistently kind of sunk in the ACC, which I think is down. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm not on board with them as deep as normal, and same with Florida State. I, I love you know Leonard Hamilton can coach college like nobody's business, but. I just think the level of competition is low. So when they face some of these better teams, I think it's going to be tougher for them. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the Big 12 now. We kind of already talked a little bit about it. This is one of these, just like the Big, Big 10, I think those are the two kind of cage match tournaments where these games are just going to be insane. We already mentioned uh, West Virginia going down to Oklahoma uh, State. But, I mean, hell, even Kansas State played pretty well today against Baylor. I mean, you know, even these – bad teams are pushing the good teams. There's going to be probably seven teams out of this league in the big dance. Uh, it doesn't look like you have I – mean, you said you had a future on Oklahoma State, right? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I, in this league, obviously, Baylor's the class of the team. You know, Cola, if you haven't been listening all season, Steve has been, you know, winning a lot of money with Baylor, <laughs> but I've gotten him a couple times of late, you know, pushing against Baylor because they didn't – they covered, like, I don't know, the first 17 games of the season. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. I actually jumped in on them in the second half today. They're winning by like a bucket and uh, mm-hmm. laid the points in the second half, which did not come through. Kansas State nipped them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big the big fade, as I kind of mentioned via the uh, pot earlier before the podcast, was Kansas's big man is out for this tournament with COVID. Uh, so we'll see. Should be back, I hope, uh, next week when they play when they play the big tournament. But I kind of like the way they were playing on the stretch, you know, especially, I mean, it was at home a lot, but I mean, I'm assuming you guys like Baylor deep in the tournament itself, the the big dance. So are there any other teams? I mean, you know, I'm a West Virginia guy, but are there any other teams that you like besides this Oklahoma state team we've talked about? I think that Oklahoma is another dark horse, um, assuming that they're going to get into the tournament. I, I'm not sure mm-hmm. that they're solidly in the field, but 
Um, yeah. I would imagine that they have a good case. And they played some good basketball this year. They have a score in their own right. And Brady mm-hmm. Manick on the inside as well. And Oklahoma and Coach Lon Kruger usually come to play in the NCAA tournament. So I'll be looking at them in probably an 8-9, 7-10 type of matchup. Yeah. What about you, Cole? Anybody you like? I mean, we talked a little a bit a little bit about Oklahoma State. I just am really interested to see what they're going to do against Baylor. I mean, if they hold tight with Baylor, I think that they're going to be projected to get a decent seed. Um, and people are going to be really excited to, uh, you know, kind of mirror this team. We talk, talked about Carmelo Anthony, um, but a lot of times these teams don't end up being like Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony. They they are more like the Michael Beasley's or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kevin Durant's. You know, the when you're when you're held by one star, it's a lot harder to make those big runs. But that's what really perked me up about them beating West Virginia without Cunningham, mm-hmm. because if they have enough of a supporting cast to be able to overcome a, a ten and a half point underdog role without their star player, you know, that was that was a surprise. Um, you know, it makes me think that maybe they do have enough of a supporting cast to to make a deep run. For sure. For sure. Yeah. The other the other thing I wanted to just say, I know you said, yeah, of course, Baylor. Uh, we all love Baylor, and I do really, really like Baylor. Um, one thing that I found really, really interesting when I was digging into some of the uh, Ken Palm numbers is that if you look at the top uh, 20 teams or so at Ken Palm, none of them really stand out from a, as a defense that creates a lot of turnovers. It's really, really interesting. You see a lot of the the blue color when it comes to turnover creation. And I, I thought that that was really interesting that, that Baylor is number three in the nation. You know, so you don't see, you see a lot of these defenses that are the, the really high efficiency defenses on Ken Palms. They're more of a pack it in, play a really strong defense, have a low effective field goal percentage, but you're not seeing the ones that, you know, run and jump the way that uh, a lot of defenses that cause the havoc are, uh, you know, are set up to do, but you are, Baylor does have that. Another thing that, uh, you're not seeing some of the best teams do is is shoot really high percentage three point and right. you know Baylor has been out of control from behind the three point line um, you know 42 percent and so you know you get hot like that and you can't beat Baylor if they're just throwing in three pointers uh, you know time after time and and they have enough of a all around game that they don't just rely on on those either of those uh, standpoints so Baylor is is great mm-hmm. yeah. Act- loves the guards and, and guards usually win in the tournament uh, mm-hmm. I will say with the defense you know pre-covid this team was you know top five in both categories they've kind of faded uh, in some men of the metrics for, for for defense so I'm just you know like we saw them get well what, what day was that Sunday or maybe Saturday they, they had a get well game but today scared me a little bit but let's see how they play against the better teams like yeah. you said Oklahoma State and then Maybe they can roll it right in. They're definitely going to be right. a one seed and we'll do their draw. The, right. the can one, I make one more? Oh, sorry. I was go. just going to add on to Baylor. The one thing that concerns me is their offensive rebounding that they allow their opponents. They're near the bottom of Division One, to 182nd ranked, giving up 31% of offensive rebounds. So that is something that could definitely come back to bite them in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They snatch the ball from them so much they don't even take that many shots, though, you know? (laughs) Anyway, um, I I was just going to make a big-picture comment about the metrics. The Like, fundamentally, if you just think theoretically, the metrics on Ken Palm this year are not as – they're not as correct as they have been in years past. Mm. 
Sure. You know, how many times in these conversations have we already talked about COVID pauses, players being out, missed games, uh, long absences, like all of these things really affect the teams and the computers can't know these things when uh, when they're adjusting for, you know, you, you look at the, the, the spread with Io DeSuma and without on, you know, it, it adjusts when he didn't play against Michigan, even though mm-hmm. they still beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Ken Palm, it doesn't adjust. Right. So all of right. these things, it can't it can't account for these things. And we already we believe that these COVID pauses, they, they impact the players. Right. So uh, I think that this year, this tournament is going to be the most uh, where human factors are going to matter more than than they ever have because of what you know it means to not only the numbers but then also those players that are in Indianapolis trying to do everything they can not to get a, a positive test and they're going to be in that environment for three straight weeks i mean right. think of, think about like i'm just saying like it's hard to predict but to to think that there are going to be some weird results in the tournament it just it seems like it's a, a certainty you know more than normal mhm right. agreed yeah some of those metrics we usually look at ken palm but look at the net net rankings mm-hmm. where Colgate's number nine, right? They played all four teams, uh, you know, and they I might be that. good. I mean, they, they can score. I <laughs> saw them score 105 points the other night, but apparently they only played three teams four times each or something. It, right. You know, but that, and I mean, that's different on Ken Palm, but it's, uh, you got to be careful those metrics. Yeah. I looked up the net today. And I was like, huh? Like, what <laughs> man, am I missing something? But anyway, a good point. Well, Let's go to the Big East now. Uh, the Big East, obviously, I think it's a little bit down. I don't think they're going to have that many teams, but there are a couple great, you know, really good teams. Villanova did get knocked off today in this tournament, which, which really helps Action's future, which is on UConn, which we talked about last week. Want to tell everybody again what you got on them for this tournament? Yeah, the Huskies uh, plus 400, which will pay out four to one, and uh, hmm. they're playing tonight against Providence, I believe, and then uh, likely. I we'll- think it's the. Yeah, oh, right, DePaul, yeah. you're right. My bad. DePaul. Upset there. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know. <laughs> walk over. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the big game in this tournament is going to be UConn and Creighton tomorrow. Likely is going to decide who will win this championship. Hmm. Well, what do you think about Creighton? You know, to be honest, uh, they had some issues of their own with Zagorowski being out with an injury for the better part of a month. They were flying before that injury and ever since his return, they just haven't quite been the same team. And now, as many of you probably know, their coach is in the hot seat for some uh, comments that yes. uh, got him suspended last weekend. So I think there's a lot of turmoil in this locker room, and I'll be looking to fade them at every turn that I can. Yeah, a month ago, I was all over him. I mean, we, you know, we predicted the Villanova upset, or maybe it was an upset, but they covered against Villanova at home, and then... They obviously got beat down. That was the week of the McDermott stuff that was happening. And you know, Villanova, it's just sad because they were playing really good basketball. I was kind of turning into them. And then with Gillespie getting hurt, you know, they, they obviously are going to be damaged. I, don't, I mean, they'll make the tournament, but they're they're going to be an early out in the big tournament, I think, too. So, you know, I, this whole this whole division, besides UConn, UConn might be the only guys that might make Sweet 16 out of this group from what I can see right now. Yeah. I think the opening round spread for Villanova is going to be fascinating. I mean, the C yeah. line certainly will be interesting, but you could see them open up as like an underdog, as a five or a four seed in the NCAA tournament. I yeah. think they were supposed to be a three seed as of like last weekend. So, but I mean, will they factor in the Gillespie injury? They must, you know, they probably should, mm-hmm. but um, you're right. 
Yeah, it'd be like uh, Minnesota to... versus Middle Tennessee, right? That yeah. was like the right. five versus twelve, where they had, they were the underdog. Yeah, that's right. Well, let's go to the Big Ten. This is and we all live, you know, in this range, and we love these guys. And this is this is the ultimate cage match, where there's probably going to be nine teams that make the, the NCAA tournament out of this one. Uh, we've already mentioned how we like Illinois. Looks like action has some play there, but he's also got his homer shirt on with the boilers so tell us about your futures in this one actually well put a lot of thought into this obviously i think that illinois is the favorite to win this title and it didn't really reflect that in the odds so i'm thinking on that side of the bracket good some really good value with them at plus 375 and then on the top side of the bracket You've got Purdue in the buy spot there who will go to face Ohio State now in the quarterfinals tomorrow, a team that we have beaten twice this season. And, <laughs> and who's very tall. That's right. Purdue is yeah. very tall. And we played. I just say about Ohio State. Uh-huh. We play some defense, too, in Boilermaker land. Yeah. So add that into the fact that Eli Brooks, the do-it-all point guard for Michigan, rolled his ankle on Sunday. doesn't appear that he's going to suit up in this tournament. I think that taking a shot at Purdue at 12 to one was some good value on the top half. All right. I agree with you. What do you think, Cola? Who do you, I mean, obviously that's a, I'd love to get that value like action, but besides Illinois and Purdue, are you, I mean, obviously Michigan's a good, good team. I mean, what do you think about Iowa though? I think Iowa kind of has that same kind of Iron Man, you know, Luca could just go to town and and just take over this entire tournament, right? The, The last time that he was in this tournament, uh, Iowa was a 10 seed and they took Tennessee into overtime, you know, a really strong Tennessee team. Um, so, you know, he was already trying to play that Ironman role there. Um, and I, I just could see him do that same thing. I still like Illinois the best. Again, uh, you know, I, I'm putting a lot of stock into these um, these games where the, the teams are able to really play high level basketball without their stars and without uh, the Suma against uh, Michigan, you know, they were eight and a half point underdogs. They were able to come out and just get one of the you know, head scratching wins. You know, you, they shouldn't have been able to do that. And they were. Um, and then uh, Imo comes back and against Ohio State just puts them on his shoulders. Um, you know, I, these these kind of these kind of uh, game changing players. I mean, it, it's what I think is going to be really impactful in the tournament this year. And uh, that's what Illinois and Iowa both have those, those type of players that can just absolutely take a game over and just decide they're not going to lose that night. Right. And I think too, with, you know, IO, you've got Coburn inside, right. You've got Frazier can score. And then the kid who came off the bench, I can't remember his name, who, who stepped in for IO played really well in that Michigan game. And that's the, that's the value, right? Those guys stepped up. They have confidence now. They can go deep. I, I try to I try to get too excited because I've been on the Illinois bandwagon many times right. and been crushed easily in the finals. Uh, but but no, I I think they're good for this tournament. And but I you know any of those teams on those the top four teams there are just they're going to be really good in the in the NCAA tournament. So mm-hmm. how about any of the other teams that are you know should make it? I mean Michigan State probably will make it. We've debated this a couple times. Looks like the Terps are going to make it now. Do you find do you guys in general with the tournament, do you find that those really deep leagues with teams that are the eighth or ninth team in, are those teams you target in the tournament? Or you just say, hey, you know, they either got beat up too much for they're overrated because the league is so it gets so much shine. I think right. the Big Ten I think the Big Ten is one of the top leagues and 
I think that all of these teams that make it to the tournament are going to have a serious advantage over the next three weeks because of the uncertainty that surrounds all of this. These are the teams that are they're in Indianapolis now today, March 11, and presumably are going to be in the same hotel room for the next month. So right. I personally am going to be looking at putting Big Ten teams far in my bracket across the board um, for the most part, mm-hmm. save Ohio State probably. But and Wisconsin, <laughs> but um, I think yeah. you know even like down to Maryland, this is a team that has a lot of moxie, and I expect that they could make a run. I could see Sparty making a run too if Aaron Henry gets hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with uh, with that take. The other thing that's going to be really interesting, again, we're talking about a tournament that's going to be unlike any other tournament, and that's the seeding. So some of the the things that would impact where a team is going to go. Um, that's geographical, just doesn't even matter. They're going to be mm-hmm. straight seeding this, but they're also going to be trying to keep all of these Big Ten teams away from each other so that they're not playing. Um, you know, there was only four games in the Big Ten that were canceled due to COVID. And, uh, you know, so so the amount of time that you played another opponent impacts which where you can play and how soon you can play another team. So um, you're going to see this really help the Big Ten in that they're going to be spread out around the bracket and you just know that, you know, Iowa and Illinois are probably not going to be in the same bracket without, you know, they're not going to be in the same bracket as Michigan and, you know, they're going to have to somehow spread out Purdue and and Ohio State and all of these teams. You know, there's only four regions, um, you know, to to spread these teams out. So I think it it really helps um, that you have so many Big Ten teams and that geography has nothing to do with where they're going to get placed. It's all about keeping them separated. Mm -hmm. No, I like that point about the geography because in the past year, there's that fourth, you know, number one has to go out west if they're an East Coast team or something and and don't have the the fan backing. It's all the travel, but it's different this time, you know, and they're Mm -hmm. giving them a little bit extra time with starting the tournament a day later. And so getting people in position. Right. It will be fascinating. It's going to be amazing. Right. And that geography also won't they'll seat up and seat down like they have in the years past or. Or some of these seeds that don't make any sense, they're not going to be able to say it was because of geography or, or things like that. So, right. right. Interesting. I have one more nugget, well, just, Wags, before we move on, on from Lucas Oil sure. Stadium. I've been, I saw the pictures come out of the setup for this Big Ten tournament in Lucas Oil and immediately thought to myself, this is the worst shooting backdrop that I've ever seen. <laughs> really? <laughs> it came to fruition. I've been, I told Wags this morning, I've been blindly betting under in every single Big Ten game as soon as it opens. And sure enough, every one of them takes money to the under. And we're now with the final Indiana and Rutgers. We're now one, two, three, four out of five games that have gone under a full game and many of them in the first half as well. And I expect that trend will continue tonight, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. What's the, what's the setup? Is it, did they do the half or what did they do? Yeah, it's set up half. Uh, perpendicular to the football field with the curtain on one side, but the stands are a good 40 or 50 feet behind the baseline on each side. And there's no lighting, so there's no background to the rim. Uh, The three-point shooting has been atrocious. Huh. Well, aren't they? That's how they're going to do some NCAA tournament games like that, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's usually how the Final Four is. That, That first half of the Final Four is usually abysmal shooting unless a team is just you know, incredible, but you just have this whole clang, clang fest, and that's what you're probably seeing right now. I haven't been able to see a lot of the games yet, but yeah, it's uh, 
those big venues, they never work quite right. Mm -hmm. In fact, for the tournament, I believe they're going to set up two courts on either side mm -hmm. of the curtain, mm -hmm. not to play simultaneously, but I right, imagine right. to do like offsets similar to the NBA in the bubble. Right. It's like the rec center in college. Yeah. You, know? you got the two games, the ball, ball, ball. <laughs> yeah, ball. <laughs> All right, let's go over the last conference, uh, the big conference, SEC. And, you know, obviously it doesn't look like you got any action on this one, action. But, you know, obviously the big teams that, that we know in there, Alabama and Arkansas, have kind of risen to the top. But there's a couple other teams that, that could make some noise here. I mean, you've obviously got Tennessee that, that played really well early in the season. They just kind of cratered. Uh, and then you've got LSU who always can score. So it'll, you know, <laughs> they're going to score. Mm -hmm. Can they stop anybody? Who knows? But um, no. But I like Arkansas this this conference. I've, I've been saying that for about a month and a half now. I, Alabama obviously has been really good, but I just think Musselman's got his team playing really well. I like them in the in the NCAA tournament, and I would like them. I don't know what I'm sure they're a little bit of plus money. I mm -hmm. like them in this tournament. Yeah, I think I read plus three hundred before the mm -hmm. tournament. Three three fifty. Alabama and Arkansas were right neck and neck. So I think right. that's a good pick. We've talked about it this season. Uh, unlike other Musselman teams in the past, they're actually playing defense. So right. um, that's always a good thing when you get to March, no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. And how do you think this legal fair, besides those top two teams, you got any other teams that you think might do anything in the tournament, or you just kind of like an ACC situation where it's, and not as good as, I mean, without Kentucky, it's kind of weird that not have Kentucky and obviously Auburn was ineligible anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, a, and Florida isn't that great this year. It's kind of a different year for the SEC. Yeah, I'm really down on everyone, even Florida. I think the only two teams I'll be looking to advance might be Arkansas and Alabama. All right. All right. Any thoughts, Cola? He's like, I, I don't care about the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything in particular. I will definitely be looking for some matchups that make any, make any sense, um, because, you know, I think that I do think that we're going to be seeing some weird outcomes. So you have to, th these weird outcomes have to come from somewhere, right? Mm. Um, so uh, there are going to be some teams that we don't expect to uh, knock off and, and make a deep run when, when you didn't think they were going to. So no, no one offhand jumps out for me other than those top two. But, you know, seeing what the, the, the matchups are and how the teams play, I, I could see, you know, someone like, you know, I'm not even going to throw a name out, but uh, <laughs> I, I could see it, you know, but I, I just don't have anyone that really jumps out at, other than Arkansas and, uh, and Alabama. I will gotcha. add, you touched on LSU. They are on like number one on my fade list. I think there's probably <laughs> like a 90% chance I'm going to pick against them in the first round. Right. Right. Now, are, uh, I didn't know if, if that was the end of the uh, conferences that you're going to go through. I didn't know if you were going to touch on and, and talk at all about Gonzaga. Well, we'll talk about them for sure. I want to touch on these last two. I okay. forgot that we have two more on here, but they're okay. smaller, mainly because Colorado State is on one. Yeah. Um, but we already talked about you know, the Mountain West a little bit with San Diego State. I love them for the tournament. I love them for this tournament. My alma mater, Colorado State, has to win. I think they're going to get in, but we'll see. they got to play probably Utah State, and that'll be the big game for them to win. Boise's in that bubble as well. So there's a lot of bubble teams in these two conferences here in the uh, the American. So I don't know. You guys don't have to weigh in on Colorado State or those guys. But you guys like do like the Aztecs. Do you think they're a pretty good squad to get deep? 
I do think that they're set up. Uh, they've been just on a tear recently. They're experienced. They, like I said before, they play really tough, uh, efficient defense across the board. Um, you know, a lot of these efficient defenses are because of their effective field goal percentage, but they also do the offensive rebounding or, or avoiding um, their opponents from getting offensive rebounds. Um, they also turn people over. So if you look across the board, you're not seeing a lot of uh, really well-rounded defensive teams. It's more that they uh, have a really slow tempo and they limit, you know, uh, the effective field goal percentage. But, you know, creating the turnovers and then also limiting offensive rebounds is something that the Aztecs really do well and they don't get hurt by opposing three points. They're the three-point shots. They they run the other team off the the three-point line. And so I just I like the way that they play. I like the way that they're set up. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah, I mean I I like Colorado State and I didn't tell you this Wags, but I was interested in looking at playing them on the futures in this tournament because I think they're very live to get to the championship mm-hmm. and we've already seen them beat San Diego State once this year. So right. um, instead of playing them pre-tournament, though, this is another one where I was eyeing up a mechanical parlay where I'm likely going to put one unit on Colorado State tonight to win on the money line and then just take those winnings and roll them over every day and hope that I can uh, beat out those plus 500 odds. And, um, you know, we touched on this earlier before we jumped on, but the loss of Duke today in the tournament really got me to thinking that the mechanical parlay might be an advantage this season because if you choose a team and you put down some money on a future in the NCAA tournament and they get a COVID positive case, they're out and you could potentially lose out on that money. And the alternative of taking it game by game allows you to secure that cash and not necessarily have it on the line in case you do run into that situation. Right. I, I will say to that, um, uh, Matt Norlander and Gary Parrish did a an emergency pod today oh, yeah? to talk about this uh, this particular Duke incident, and their belief is that the protocols that are in place should avoid a team from you know completely being eliminated from the tournament once it begins. Uh, the fact that you have to have seven straight days of um, negative tests, the the way that they're implementing the technology to ensure that. Um, the, the players are going to remain, uh, you know, away from each other a certain distance and they're doing the contact tracing and, and all of that. Um, if there was a positive, you of course, you can lose a, a major player. Um, and again, like you're saying, that then you're able to, to pull out on your, your parlay or, or on a, a future on a team. But, um, you know, they're basically saying that the, the, the likelihood of a team getting completely swept out on this is, is not likely. And also you're able to play. Uh, five players. So mm-hmm. I know some of the leagues said you had to have seven or, or eight or, or however many it was, but the tournament, you can go five uh, and, and play the entire game. Iron Man it. So that would be epic. Lose it. They don't believe it, that you're going to lose an entire team once this thing starts. Ah, that, right. That's good insight. Yeah. yeah, that's good to know. Uh, the last conference we'll just touch on is the American. You know, there's a couple of teams here that are going to make it for sure. It looks like Wichita will make it, even though they're terrible in Ken Palm. And then you've got Houston, who I do like. They're they're in the top ten. I'm a Memphis guy. I, I I really wanted them to upset Houston the other day to get that big win. They're going to be on the bubble the whole way. But um, you see, you know, you see Houston making a deep run. I mean, their metrics are great. I love Houston. I mean, they are one of the top defensive teams in the nation, but top ten on offense too. And you mm-hmm. don't normally see that out of a Kelvin Sampson team. So I think this is 
a team that's going to be undervalued likely by the public once you get into that game by game betting and you see those lines come out it's definitely a play on team for me right do you think they're going to get respected on on their seed they're not going to get bumped to like a, a three seed I, you know i think it's probable that they'll end up on the three line to be honest but i'm not sure that really makes a difference in this tournament two versus three that's yeah you know you definitely don't and, and get uh, yeah. you know matched up with the number one seed. I think it'd be highly unlikely if they drop to a four, unless they lose right. tonight. You know, it's always a possibility. That's true. Right. That's true. Well, we'll go back around to Cola's point. Uh, let's talk about Gonzaga, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about BYU. I, I watched that game the other night, and um, you know the Zags are really good, but uh, you know, action's already been on record on Twitter many times that he's fading the Zags. So, what's your position on? Uh, <laughs> on Gonzaga this year? I mean, the big guy inside, Timmy, Timmy is a hell of a player, but he has not faced top-tier big man competition this season. And I, can you imagine Drew Timmy going up against Coburn or Luca Garza in the paint? <laughs> Eat him for breakfast. I think that could You mean Harms wasn't big enough for you? <laughs> that was the Flying Dutchman, your former Purdue boiler. Harms went off to Provo for a reason, Wags. It's because he couldn't hang it in the Big Ten. <laughs> And I'm telling you that I don't think Gonzaga is going to make it very far. You might see them in the Final Four, but I'm looking to lay a heavy price that they won't win the title. Okay. So that was exactly what I was going to say. I do not see Gonzaga winning this championship. You you know you look at their adjusted efficiency and it's it's like sky high over everyone else. You know, right. um, you know, like leaping. Leaps and bounds. Right now, it's it's 37.4, and the next one is 31.7 for Michigan. But the way that they play and the way that they haven't really had, you know, they they they're coming back and saying this BYU game, you know, they needed it, they needed the test, they needed to get pushed. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, but you need to get pr- pushed by a team that you that can actually beat you. You know, right. no one thought that they were going to lose that game at halftime, even when they were down by that much. I mean, again, uh, going to Matt Norlander put a uh, put a, a question on Twitter that said, "What do you think is going to happen in this game?" And the, the most um, at, at halftime, what do you, how do you think this is going to turn out? And the most popular answer, 37%, was they're going to win by six to ten. So I mean, no people didn't think that they were going to lose, and, and I'm sure that Gonzaga didn't think that they were going to lose either. So I, I don't think that they've been pushed. You know, as much as you want to use that, uh, someone would want to use that as kind of like the narrative. I do think that um, I was really surprised to see that their three-point shooting percentage wasn't just off the charts it's something like the the mid 50s um you know you you just you expect gonzaga like that's that's the way that they play right they just throw in three pointers and, and that's actually not the way that this team plays the other thing that i thought was really interesting is if you take the the top uh, 30 teams of ken palm and you just look at the tempo um every single one of these teams is doing the slow mm-hmm. methodical game uh, but Gonzaga is not like that. Okay. Right. Gonzaga is actually fourth in the nation in tempo. And when you see these two styles play against each other, the one that usually frustrates the other is the methodical playing against the, the really quick tempo team. And so they're just uh, estimating that Gonzaga is going to have to play two or three of these really strong, methodical, slow paced games. I just don't think that they're set up to win three games like that, three games where they have to play mm-hmm. outside of their style, um, you know, and, and 
you know, that that's probably my biggest thing. And then also just the, again, I say the human factors, like the, the fact that having to be there for three weeks and even if, if, uh, you know, Matt Norlander went on a podcast today and says, I don't think a team's going to, to, to get completely outed, uh, from the tournament, you still have to imagine these guys are sitting there every single day knowing that we're the number one team in the nation. We're the one that everyone thinks is going to win. And if I screw up and I, and I, I get positive that I can't play and, you know, the, the, I think this kind of stuff is going to wear on them more, um, more. And this is for everybody, but I think the very top teams, mm-hmm. it, it can wear on you even more. So, you know, I'm I'm usually the 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 numbers guy, and I'm the one, you know, I'm an engineer just like uh, action. And uh, but I honestly think that the human factors are going to be uh, so much more uh, present and impacting in the games this year. Right. I would like, well, I guess what I would say, what I would say about the Zags, I mean, I, I didn't get to see him play a lot this year, but I did see him play in that BYU game. I mean, I do like Suggs. I think he's a really good player, but he's a freshman, mm-hmm. right? So he's not that pedigree, uh, you know, senior guard, junior guard who's going to really come through in the clutch. He did play great in the second half in that game, mm-hmm. but um I don't know. The other thing that I look at with the Zags is, you know, I'm not saying maybe you don't espouse this theory, but it's kind of to your point. They're undefeated. So it's the pressure of being undefeated. We've seen mm-hmm. this many times. You know, even Kentucky, that great Kentucky team with, you know, Carl uh, Anthony Towns and stuff couldn't get all get it done. And that team was better than this team. Right. I think so. It's just hard. It's hard to have that pressure on you. And, um, you know, Wichita State, I remember a few years ago when they got beat by Kentucky in, like, the second round. That could happen here. So I think those two factors are going to work against them. I just, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. They're a really good squad. So Wags, I got a question. Cola touched on the halftime spread against mm-hmm. BYU. They were down 12 points. Did, 12 points. Or, did you points. think they were going to come back and win at that moment? Uh, well, BYU was shooting, I think it was like 60% or something yeah. that first half. Yeah. So that was impossible to maintain. I thought that it could be when they made that one bucket, I think they tied it with four minutes to go. I said, okay, maybe they have enough. I knew that because I hadn't seen Gonzaga play all year. So I was kind of like, wow, their defense isn't that good. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying the whole first half. I mean, BYU was throwing in shots, but they were – they were penetrating the lane. They're penetrating the baseline. I'm like, where's this great, you know, defense? Second half, boom. So the first 10 minutes of the second half, I mean, they only scored, I mean, I think they only scored 25. BYU scored 25 points in the second half. Yeah. They scored, what, 60 in the first mm-hmm. half or something, 57 or something. So I thought they were going to probably come back to win. I just thought that it would be just complete shootout. Instead, they turned, they flipped the switch. And, and so we'll see against an inferior team. And BYU is a good squad. They're top 20, mm-hmm. Ken Palm. But yeah. to Cole's point, I mean, they're not, when they face some of these big boys, you know, Travion Williams or Purdue or something, or like you said, Kofi, you know, Coburn or something, I mean, they're, they're going to be in a world of hurt inside. If they get Timmy in foul trouble, what are they going to do? Yeah. I, for one, yeah. Uh, had, I had, I think I had Gonzaga in the first half, which was obviously a loser. And then I saw right. they were laying 11 in the second half, and I, I almost fell out of my chair trying to get that wager in, as I'm sure half of America was too. So uh, right. I bet it was 100% right. to zero on the bet splits for that second half. <laughs> yeah. So to, to your question there, um, I'm looking at Kempom right now, and they had uh, the win probability at 50.8% for Gonzaga. So, wow. again, the computer <laughs> said it was 50-50 at that point. But, again, you know. 
the computers don't know as much information as this year about what's uh you know everything that's going on with uh with the world and with missing players and things so they do have a couple of good wins auburn west virginia kansas and iowa all come to mind but you know i mentioned garza i think iowa had the complete wrong game plan trying to run with gonzaga is not the way to beat them to your point Mm-hmm. One of Iowa's defense is not great. Yeah. So, I mean, I you know, and that was early. And, and again, we talked about it last week on the podcast. Besides last, on Monday or well, Tuesday when they played BYU, they hadn't played anybody good for weeks. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. besides BYU since December, and it's not their fault, it's their league, but this is what happens every year. No right. And, and they have the longest wait to actually play another game. True. And I feel like this has always affected them. Um, they've moved their game back a little bit. It used to be the Sunday that every other major conference would end their regular season. That's when, uh, you know, Gonzaga would, would play those games in Wichita State. They would have those, uh, those time slots to play theirs, but still they have a long way until they play their next game. Sure. Good point. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap up the episode with the big Vegas update. Uh, we're going in a week. A week from now, we'll be there, hopefully winning money. Action injured his, his oh. dice finger. I don't know what's going oh, on. No. I, I need to. I forgot to tell I my story. A specialist. So, oh, my. I was reaching in the uh, bathroom the other day to grab some scissors, and my hand got sliced on a razor blade. I don't know if you guys could see it. Can you see it, America? I, not really, but uh, this is this is tragedy. I mean, we have the last two times I've been there with action. I don't know if you know this story, Cola. The first time I went to Vegas, really for for real, being down on the strip with my first night, this guy rolls for an hour and a half and wins, you know, 10, 10 11 G's at the craps table. I was like, this is amazing. I love Vegas. And then the next, the next time we went back a year later, it was during COVID. I happened to be distracted. Big mistake on my part. Action's texting me, hey, I'm on a heater. Two hours at the table, winning 19 Gs. I mean, this guy can roll oh, the bones, baby. <laughs> they're, they're definitely epic nights. and uh, That's incredible. I, I can't imagine that'll ever happen again, Wegs, but we'll certainly try. Uh, um, how, about, how about Wednesday? How about, yeah, how about, uh, how about uh, March 17th or 18th, either day? <laughs> I got I to stick my hand in a bucket of Vaseline and get it cleaned up here. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to have, we got four guys strong going down to the uh, desert on Wednesday through Saturday, but we're going to be at Stadium Swim on Friday at noon uh, Pacific time, I guess it is, till five to watch those tournament games on the opening day, which is going to be super exciting. Uh, we decided to kind of figure out what we're going to do on Saturday. But if you're in the area, you know, we have so many listeners. If you're, you know, hit us up on Twitter or whatever, we'd love to see you, meet us out there and you know, obviously, everybody would like to see action get hot on the tables again, but um, you know, I'm looking forward to putting down some big big wagers out there. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> maybe Cola will join us next year. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> get his final four cozy. I've got my koozie. I was at the most recent college basketball game, so oh, that's right. I was commemorating it with my koozie. Um, awesome. Minneapolis, so... Uh, Proof that, that they actually did play this tournament a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. it's certainly going to be a celebration uh, bigger than I can ever remember for college basketball. After we lost the tournament last year, I think all of us are right. just ready and waiting for this thing to kick off. Absolutely. context how long ago that was, um, I touched down in Minneapolis for the Final Four. I went to my brother-in-law's house. 
and we just had a small gathering for uh, gender reveal for my third child. Uh, my parents that were there as well. Um, so a girl, third girl, uh, very exciting news. And uh, and so now that baby is 18 months old. It's like that's how long it's been since we've had a tournament. Is that I went from gender reveal to eight, 18 month old baby girl, and we had no other basketball. So that's crazy. To think uh, about. Basketball. That's, basketball. That is crazy. That's crazy. Well, Cola, one more time, why don't you tell us about the eFantasy uh, YouTube channel and then where to find you on Twitter? On YouTube. E Fantasy Football uh, is the name of the channel. You can uh, search hashtag E Fantasy Football to find it uh, on Twitter at E Fantasy Showman. Uh, also, landing page E Fantasy Football. Check us out. The games are up. You can see what we're talking about. Uh, you know, every single week I do a little bit different tweak of what the game will look like. Uh, just trying to see how we're going to do 2021. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love talking college basketball. I uh, really appreciate you giving me the chance to talk about e-fantasy football. And I'm very much wish I could go to uh, Las Vegas with you guys because that is going to be a banger. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be, we'll be back. We also go to the opening week of the NFL season. You're welcome to do it. We're trying to do a big thing for that this year, too. You guys draft a team in the FFPC. I'm going to be there. I'll be there because I won my way back. Nice, uh, nice. won my league, won seven Gs on my fantasy football league that I drafted last year in Vegas. So you guys need to draft a team. Come on. All right, let's do it. <laughs> well, let's do it. thanks for coming on. That was a great Absolutely. experience and in introducing our listenership to e-fantasy football. That was awesome. And uh, we look forward to having you back on future episodes. That's All right. right. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks, Cola. And uh, follow us at SideActionPod on Twitter and also on YouTube. And then follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right, everybody. It's tournament time. Let's get it. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER intro and outro and transition music credits song titles jerry five and district four by kevin mcleod at incompetech.org license under creative commons attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0